This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello. Welcome back to you. Thank you for joining us again, Disaster Divas. This is Jordan Cruciola. And I'm Amanda Smith. And this week, we are going back into the archives a little bit. You should have uh, followed your study guide, which we gave you last episode, and watched, I think it's from, was it 1977? 1978. 1978, the movie Avalanche, starring in true classic disaster movie form, like a, a surprising little all-star group. With Rock Hudson, yeah. Robert Forster, yes. and Mia Farrow leading that leading that cast. And not so not with so much tension as we did on Underwater, but me and Amanda sort of diverged on this episode. We'll diverge in this episode because I really liked Avalanche. I was very And it was meh. not your favorite. Yeah. And I watched it twice back to back because I had to, <laughs> I actually like it finished and I was like, wow, I need to watch this again, which I'm finding more and more I need to do in general. And that might just be my old age. Maybe. But and it was honestly, it was because in the first 30 minutes, I was just like, all of the men look the same to me. Fair. That was really, and so I was like, I need to go back and backtrack and figure out what the hell happened because and, and I don't know. And where is, did Tina go? Was where, my other question was, yeah. wait, did I miss Tina reappearing? Yeah, when we lost Tina, you, it will come clear in yeah. time why, but like when we lost Tina for some stretches, I was like, did, oh God, are they going to find Tina's body? Yeah. No. Like, did, did Tina do T- away with herself? Tina just disappeared. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, there are, there have been larger ensembles that have certainly risen to the challenge more effectively of giving everybody yeah. more screen time. Like you spend more individual time with everybody in the towering Inferno. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted it's like a three hour movie um, compared to this one being like a nice little slight 90 minutes, but you, you get meaningful time with each of like the big stars that they have put in that compared to this, where you for long gaps, you will lose rock Hudson yeah. or Robert Forster or Mia Farrow. And also, it takes us a while to get to the avalanche itself. We're a good halfway. Yes. We were an hour into this movie. We were at the, the, we the avalanche was the in. third act. Yeah, it, was, we it was 60 minutes in. Two thirds in before we get the avalanche. And I guess I will give the summary, yeah. which is just that Rock Hudson uh, is a successful businessman whose dream has been apparently to open a winter resort. And it sounds like he's leveraged himself completely to do it. And he has uh, built his ski chalet dream location on uh, an unstable mountain face. And so an avalanche threatens and then surely does come barreling mm-hmm. down the mountain and sweeps them all up. Yep. But that is what we're doing here. Yep. We've got and we've got the businessman of Rock Hudson. We've got his ex-wife, Mia Farrow. Yes. M- Mia Farrow, I, it, with that... With the build that she has at that era in her life and that that such a delicate physicality, perfect ex-wife vibe. Yes and no. Because do you know what the age difference is in this movie no, were? this is quintessential to bring up. I didn't look it up, but I, oh. we need to. What is the age difference okay, between Mia Farrow and I, her ex-husband? The first things that I did, like within seconds of realizing what was happening, was I looked up the, the ages of Mia Farrow and Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson's 53 in this. He dies seven years later. Oh, God, that's right. He wasn't that old. He died in 85. So Rock Hudson's 53. Mia Farrow is 33. Oh, my God. 
Un- and she looks she looks very young. She, she looks, looks like she could Mia, be 25. She looks like Mia Farrow. Yeah. Real freaking young. <laughs> yeah. Like there was a reason that she's in Rosemary's Baby as the wide-eyed ingenue because yeah. she's real, really young looking. Yeah. And um, he looks and he looks so He looks every inch of 53, if yeah, not. He looks like, like almost a grand he looks like a young grandfather. Yeah. Not like like a silver foxy middle aging he's a, man. He's a 1970s 53. He's not a 2020 yeah, that's 53. That's totally true. That he's is not totally a true. like, oh yeah. He Back can when get, movie he's, stars were allowed to be dumpy. Yeah, <laughs> right. When, yeah. They, when they could age. Yeah. When they could age. And yeah, and, and it just, the, the years of Warren on Rock at this point. Um, keep in mind, so in this, so we've got ex-wife Mia Farrow. Yes. And then we also have the most amazing uh, addition to this. He has also invited along on this trip his mother. Florence Shelby and a firecracker of abroad a firecracker and I loved her I their relationship was uncomfortable oh it was not like handsy and appropriate but it was like this is a man who is too close to his mother this man's relationship with his mother is a total red flag yeah and clearly Mia Farrow gets along with her they seem to really care for each other really like each other but definitely like when she was getting close to Rock Hudson and they were going to get married should have been like, mm, wow, this whole mom son thing is a little claustrophobic. I really shouldn't get married to this control freak captain of Enterprise. Yeah. Who is really, fac- really affectionate with his mom. Who's, yeah, whose mother thinks the sun rises and sets around him. Yeah. Who calls yeah. him? Because like the thing about this mountain is. Like, there was an avalanche a long time ago. 1880s. 1880s, there was an avalanche. It's been like a century. And so when he makes a point of saying, and nobody's nobody's really tried developing it since then, and mom at one point, like, hails him when he comes into dinner. She's like, you know, oh, no, the conqueror must yeah. be celebrated. It was like, the conqueror. Yeah. Don't, you know, moms, don't call your don't call your sons that. That's that's setting up a catastrophe. Yeah. That's, that, don't, don't do that. That's the same, yeah, that's, a, that's the questionable mom... I've gone out with a few guys whose mothers were like that. <laughs> exactly. It, it never ends well for anybody. Yeah. Um, but going off of Florence Shelby, guess how old that actress was in that movie? Is she like 65? She was 67. Oh He's closer my in God. age to his mother oh. than to Mia Farrow in oh this. Oh my God. Which is Hollywood, maybe... Baby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is why like... <laughs> yeah. Like it is, it is utterly realistic in the sense of the context of movies. Yeah. Which telegraphs for us how unrealistic it is in real life boy howdy oh yeah. my god like <laughs> which she does which she looks why... she looks not that much older than him but is like definitely looks more like an she's a white-haired older she lady. was yeah which was a wig yeah. um oh because okay. in in there's a scene where i was looking i'm like there is some black hair showing right at the edge of her hair <laughs> like i just saw it i know so i was like that's it's a wig <laughs> it's a good wig but it's definitely a wig um but yeah there's Oof, How much that, must it suck to be in that situation where you're like, I'm 12 years older than this guy. Like, right. Yeah. I'm not his that mom. Happens all, oh my God. There's yeah. so much. I mean, the, I, I will digress to just call it like, okay. I feel like our, the best, most heinous example of that in the modern era is the movie Alexander. Yeah. Where uh, you have Colin Farrell and Angelina Jolie playing mother and son. Yeah. And I think she's same age, if not like three years older than him. Yeah. Like, Gross. yeah, like a, Cup, they were sibling ages in real life, and, and she like, plays his fucking mom. Yeah. Of anyone to like look older than her, like Angelina Jolie. Like, are you fucking kidding on. me? Yeah. In like the two, in like the mid two thousands, this was like she's this in her prime she's in her early thirties yeah. at that point. Whatever, age, maybe late twenties. Whatever age they are, Colin Farrell's kind of a harsh one. 
Yeah. And she is a pretty soft one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if like, you had them next to each other now and you tried to pass that shit off. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. God. But like, hey, it's the 70s, man. Yeah. No, this is just what it is. She's got white hair. She must be old. Well, and, and, and it, it, I feel like it is the, the age dynamic really plays into their, the age difference plays into the dynamic between the two of them because she checks herself into the hotel under her her maiden name her maiden name yeah and then you know she explains to somebody she's like well i was this and then i became shelby and now i'm going back to this because they're getting divorced yeah and like he's a super controlling person when when they meet up at this chalet because he's throwing like a grand opening gala and they seem to be on good terms they're friendly with each other and so he she shows up there and he clearly is bound and determined to get her back and he tells her like he wants to change her name he wants her to change her name on the reservation back to shelby and she's like he fully does it yeah right right checks in and the first thing that we find out is that she checks in she's like name under whatever Braden or Brayson or yeah. whatever it is and she's like no and she's like check Shelby and oh, there's yeah. sure enough her n- reservation's name which she had made has been changed yes. to Shelby and he did which that is her married name and he did that yeah he did that and she's like you can't do that and he's like well I did yeah and and like there are fortunately in this movie there's like a women's lib thing happening where she does consistently push back against him. I kept waiting for that moment where she would lilt and be like, all right, whatever you say, Shelby. And fortunately that didn't happen because he kept doing that. He like says it explicitly at one point. She like, she says something about like soup, like supremacy, like supremacy tactics. Supremacy tactics. After he force kisses her multiple times. For like the third time. Yeah. And she like, kind of like, uh, like under her breath, she's like, oh, your supremacy tactics. And he goes, they'll work. You'll see. Like they'll work eventually. Like he's just wearing her down. So of course this figure wanted a, a, a child. This figure wanted a young woman that he could utterly control, yeah. who he could have dominion over. He would never date a woman his own age who would push back on him. Like, no. this guy's exclusively going to date people 30 years older than he is. He didn't... So there's this, like, throwaway line where... He asks her how things at Vogue, and she's like, "I'm at Harper's Bazaar." No, he says, "How are things at, at Harper's, Harper's?" And she Baza- says, "I'm at Vogue." Vogue. Whatever. I, I mean, I, it was one of them. The other, yeah. yeah. So it's like also, oh yeah, no, it's it's just Vogue. Yeah. Like you for you you you're gonna dictate what her last name is on the reservation, and you want her back, and you love her, but you, you don't know where she fucking works, and right. she's at one of the oldest, most prestigious publications in the country, and Vogue in the seventies. Yeah. That was a bit. That was a more of a thing. But like in my head before that happened, I was like, oh, she was a waitress and he just kept showing up to her restaurant until she finally agreed to they go totally out with him. Like that's, like that. that is the absolutely the vibe. Like this is a man who does not take no well. And it yeah. was the, the whole thing. I it was like watching a Reddit relationships post <laughs> play out in real asshole? life. Yeah, I know. It's just like Reddit <laughs> relationships. And you're like, oh no, everything about this is a red flag. Every single moment in this is a bad sign. Well, and, and speaking of bad signs, we are given the tell very uh, early on that this is going to go poorly as far as natural disasters because Rock Hudson is in like his office at this at this chalet and he he tells her everything he's done to get this place oh, off yeah. the ground. This dream. I, I fought the bank. I fought the government. I fought the environmentalists. <laughs> I and I fought my own corporation and then just like casually drops that he bribed a senator to get the yeah. land for it. Um, he's like, well, I made a sizable donation to his campaign and kind of suggests too that he's being pursued by maybe some sort of regulatory commission. Uh, that goes out the window at a certain point. It has and never no really relevance to anything. 
Um, and it's 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 funny. It's a it's like an ensemble of many minor characters, not even like mid characters, because we meet we meet Tina, yeah, who we've mentioned. Who when we meet her, she's just getting drunk in a bar, and he's like, maybe go easy, Tina. Yeah, and I, then, which I was like, is that that's why I had to go back and rewatch because I was like, is that another woman that he's sleeping with? Which is the ones he's sleeping with? Because obviously he is while well, trying to get back his ex wife is also not being faithful to her and sleeping with his assistant. Which like, well, that probably did not help with your marriage right and here's the thing i wondered about because we when we meet the assistant it's because Fa- mia farrow walks in we meet the assistant and she calls him by his first name yeah. she's like oh mr shelby and then you're like oh are they hooking up yeah well the next time we see the assistant who i thought was tina in the bar yeah the next time we see the assistant he's been shot down by mia farrow the night before she's gone home with robert forster good choice always a good choice he is wakes up in the morning is on the phone yelling at people and then we see the secretary step naked out of a it looked like a shower, but she was totally dry. And then she like delivers him an orange juice while totally naked. And yeah. he's looking at her like he wants her, but not necessarily like he's had her. And I was like, wait, are they having sex with each other? Or is this just like a secretary Maggie Gyllenhaal thing where she brings him no, juice no, no. naked? They're having sex. Okay. Um, he just like, the problem is, is that Rock Hudson has virtually no sexual chemistry with either of these women. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Like that's just what it is. And it, it has nothing to do with a, yeah, Kit's guard in the house. It has nothing to do with because obviously, I mean, like Rock Hudson was was not a straight man, and yeah. it had nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with like there's no reason he would have sexual chemistry with either of these women. Yeah. Like one is an orange juice delivering naked woman, yeah. and the other is a woman young enough to be his child, not by accident. Yeah, yeah. Not by accident. Like he has the sexual tension of a wet spaghetti noodle, like an overcooked piece of pasta. Uh, yeah, yeah, with Mia Farrow. Yeah, it's so sexless. Yeah, it's 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 entirely like she. You very much get the the feeling of like, oh, she was really young when they got together, mm-hmm. and she was really impressionable yeah and like this guy took care of her and he was very worldly and rich yeah and oh and then she grew up and like got a personality of her own and was like oh definitely this Def- man is yeah, too controlling is not, for me yeah like and he he there he absolutely like <clears throat> eventually one day she told one of her colleagues at vogue about like their relationship and yeah. the colleague at vogue was like i'm sorry you're not allowed to have a bank account and he tells you what you can eat yeah, yeah. like that was that he, he he took he didn't let he ordered you a steak bloody yeah. and you said no and he said you're going to eat it right yeah and we meet we meet his uh we meet his foil thank god oh in one of the most appealing men of all time, apparently Robert Forster. Who knew? Who like <laughs> let's the, our uh, like our son is Robert Forrester, <laughs> and our second son, like, and I say son S U N, yeah, as in not, the center of not, our galaxy. Yeah, like we have a twin son in this podcast galaxy. System. Yeah, and it is it is <laughs> Robert Forrester and Ernie Hudson. Yeah, no, who. That's- orbiting New. around one another oh my god like the sons of Tatooine <laughs> setting in a distance and I'm just staring at them longingly thinking of the adventures I'd have and it's it's amazing like we meet him immediately and he is like he's angry oh he's angry because the rock is building a chalet above the resort that's going to be his home and he's cutting down trees around it because he wants full clear view and Robert shows up we have absolutely no idea what he does but he's just like telling people yeah. this mountain's unstable you're cutting down these trees which means if an avalanche comes down this way there's going to be like no coverage to slow it down you're putting people in danger and you're like okay so he's a scientist I think yeah like did he is he a consultant and he's someone like, hired yeah, him no, is he an engineer on this project and they've been in Rock Hudson's ignoring him after hiring him exactly and then we when we like re- 
Robert makes his way down to the lodge and he's going to confront Rock Hudson to be like, you're cutting all these trees. This is dangerous. You can't do this. And Rock tries to brush him off because he's trying to have lunch, like like win her back lunch with Mia Farrow. He's like, oh, we'll talk tomorrow. He's like, nope, you said that last week. We're talking now. And Rock's like, oh, this is, you know, what's what's his name? I just, uh, Robert Forrester. Robert Forrester. Yeah, yeah, he deals with Robert Forrester. He's like, he's a photographer. And it was yeah. like, wait, excuse me, what? He's a wildlife, he's not even, he's a wildlife photographer. Yeah, he's like a natural world, like they mentioned, like he's had work in Nat Geo and the Smithsonian Magazine. Yeah. And he's just like a guy, a nature enthusiast who lives on the mountain and he's like, just basically captain of this mountain. Yeah. He has appointed himself mayor of this mountain. Mm -hmm. He's going to tell people when their buildings are not up to code, he's going to make sure that the snow is cleared up on the top of the mountain. So recreational skiers do not trigger avalanches. Robert Forrester is the mountains. One man HOA. Yeah. And I believe it. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. There was, yeah, I mean, there was basically, yeah, like no you said, world snow in which. enthusiast Robert Forster was like, yeah, uh, everything he says makes sense. Yeah, any anything Robert Forster shows up and says, yeah. I will believe. And I would watch an entire movie of Robert Forster just giving regulations about like <laughs> slope efficiency. I would watch that. Yeah. And I mean, when he like sets off debt, uh, he de- detonates uh, TNT charges. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Robert Forster knows how to do that. Robert Forster also takes a lovely picture of a ram. Yeah. Like these are just <laughs> things he can do. Robert Forster in this movie built his cabin. Robert Forster immediately seduces Mia Farrow. Of course, obviously. Yeah. There, there is, and so we're, we're totally in the bag for snow expert Robert Forster. And I, I think one of my favorite moments in this entire movie was there's like this big gala dinner that everybody's attending and Mia Farrow is just kind of torturing her ex when like Robert Forster's sitting at the table. She's like, you want to dance? Yeah. And Rock is like, well, I, and then he realizes she means Robert Forster and he just like kind of acknowledges what's going on, but he's just off on the dance floor with Mia Farrow. And she's like, he's watching us. It's like, yeah, he is. You're definitely his ex. And you're just dancing with this guy who's like bossing him around in his own club. Yeah. Like I'm not saying that he's a good dude, but this is savage. Yeah. But then she also says that he's not as much as he's watching this other woman. Right. Right. And I was like, yeah, okay. See, it's yeah, fine. No, I loved it. I loved it. It was great. It was a power move, especially because like Robert Forrester, first time that he sees her, she is swimming laps in a pool Yeah, with a swimming cap on. Yeah. Just doing her thing. Yeah. In a night. And then like, they go it, home together. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, that is, that's the romance, the modern romance right there. And I also, this, given what we know about Robert Forster as a, as a, as a leading man, as a hero kind of yeah. man, when he gets Mia back to his lodge, his hand built lodge there, he's like, I'm glad you were here tonight. And she's, you know, they're making small talk. And then he's like, he says, literally, can I give you a big hug yeah not even a hug can i give you a big hug and it was this is why this is why we fully surrender ourselves to robert forster because they do they share this embrace and then like they obviously like we see the next morning she's in the bed it's like oh they definitely hooked up yeah it wasn't just like he slept on the couch but like the fact that it led in can i give you a big hug loved it believed it chivalrous man yeah man of the earth man of the people robert forster Mia Farrow, you did the right thing. A gem. A gem of a man. (laughs) I also really enjoyed when they went back to his cabin and she's looking at all the pictures on the wall that he has taken and did the thing that like women do in all these where they look and they're like, oh my gosh, what's that? Yeah. And his response is, what does it look like? (laughs) She's like, and it's 
a goat, a goat? because it's a ram <laughs> yeah. it's a picture of a ram it's not like some exotic it's not like and there's a picture no. he has a picture of like an eye eye or something like, yeah, on the like wall as well ram. it's, it's, go- it's definitely like- it's like the most identifiable of the wild <laughs> creatures and she, what is that and he it's a what does it look like i was like you just you practical sturdy <laughs> salt of the earth fella and it like and this this party is interesting because people are pairing off yeah and like we see there's this like showboaty world-class skier there his name is bruce scott and bruce scott has shown up with who we have already talked about who is mentally fragile tina they came to the place together and she is the ex possibly wife of this broadcaster guy who is there to sort of like be the MC of this grand opening of this resort. Well, Bruce starts hitting on an Olympic medalist skier who is a skater, a skater who's also there. And they're having like the most suggestive wordplay in the dance. Only talk. The only lines of dialogue she has are solely about different like ice skating like positions yeah she she like she's talking about how she had this old coach and they were taught him how to fall and she's like he taught me never to resist it was like what a message oh what do you like to i like to fall on my back yeah she's like i prefer to be flat on my back he's like have you ever tried from the side so she's like oh wild it's like groovy 70s and they're only speaking in double entendre and then they get back to his room because so then he ditches tina they he and he and and ice skater hussy go back to his room yes and then she's like have you seen me do my camel toe yeah have you seen me do my ice pick have yeah, you like seen me do my spread, spread eagle. eagle like yeah it just she just going. says spread eagle this was i will say of all of the movies we've watched <laughs> this was the most explicitly sexy and i don't mean sexy like this was hot just like no i think it in, is, the, in the spirit of the era like this was, was very like this is the 70s we're swinging a little bit there were boobs yeah. there were butts yeah there was a lot more like there were sex scenes, even yeah. with um, even with Towering Inferno, where we've got like yeah, several people, implied sex scenes. But yeah, there's implied. never anything like this. Yeah, this was definitely this was the racier one. This and even was the raciest. It was still pretty family friendly, but it was the raciest. Yeah, it was. It had boobs in the way that like, yeah. A in 1980s the way that a sex movie, comedy. Yeah, has. in the way yeah. that a slasher movie doesn't need boobs to show up, but yeah. they just do. So I actually, going off, that reminds me of something. Um, I meant to mention this to you. I felt like there was a very much a slasher movie vibe to the avalanche, to the to this movie in general, because the only, the final girl kind of situation. Right, yeah. They were the only ones who didn't get affected by this avalanche were the two people uh-huh. who didn't have explicit sex on scene. That, on that, of the, yeah, of the people who oh, did and, have. and and um sad loser guy who ends up in a, chairlift with uh oh child. yeah yeah so he all he did but otherwise almost everyone i'm assuming florence shelby got down with mccade yeah because like florence shelby and and mccade her like her i don't know her valet her well, he, boyfriend, no, he was her the man he was the he was the bookkeeper oh right he was the bookkeeper that was assigned to chaperone her around yeah definitely i would had say a maybe the purser of yeah. the hotel <laughs> purser definitely yeah he definitely had like the kind of shitty purser disposition but not he was totally sweet. he meant well he, we, he meant well um but yeah we have a like we have this we have this sex scene going on the sin hunting sex scene the avalanche will find these people yeah um as this is happening though mentally fragile tina is tipsy and she's making her way back to her room that she's allegedly going to share with bruce as she's walking through a like pre-blizzard 
is just picking off articles of clothing as she's walking through this fucking labyrinthine. I mean, just spiral staircase of, after spiral staircase. Yeah, of walkways and staircases. It's like, this is this is an outdoor walkway area in a snowy, icy place. What the shit is this architecture? It was, it was so badly planned. It, and just like, ma'am, I get that you're probably drunk, but like, we're shoeless at this point. You're taking off the coat. You've taken off your dress. What is going on, Tina? Yeah, of that, that in terms of the reality for me, I was like, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I fully believe that Tina got really drunk uh-huh. and just started, was feeling herself and just started stripping on her way to be like, <laughs> to show up bare ass naked to, for Bruce and be like, look, I made it easy for yeah. you, honey. And then instead he's having sex with an ice skater. Yeah, and that's with a the bummer. ice skater. And he just rolls his eyes when she showed up. Yeah, and she runs out. She had dropped a, a big fur coat along the way, but she just runs away screaming, uh, very scantily clad through the snow. Mm-hmm. Her ex-boyfriend and or husband tries to like stop her and comfort her, but she's just running screaming away. Yeah. And Tina, this is this isn't really germane to the narrative, but she confronts Bruce the next morning and He's like, well, isn't she's like threatening to kill him? And he's like, isn't this the part where you threaten to kill yourself usually? And then he's like, he like fully get he throws a full glass of milk on her. Yeah. She just is hysterically screaming. He pins her under a couch and he's like, kill yourself. Yeah. It was such a it was such a weird, dark, like it was was such a dark, abusive. Like it's very clearly this is such an unhealthy dynamic the two of them have. This is not the first time either of them have gone through this. Yeah, yeah. Like she is this is absolutely something that's happened multiple times. She has definitely threatened multiple times to kill herself yes he has definitely multiple times um if not thrown her around like i definitely yeah. got the feeling that he has been physical with her before yeah. it was such an unhealthy horrible thing to watch yeah that later when so after all this goes down and then the avalanche is happening and he's skiing down a slope and there's like a lengthy period of time where we're watching this very suspenseful thing where he's skiing down the slope it's and the very, avalanche it's is very chasing suspenseful him. i was like is I it watch, gonna get him is it gonna get him you know i watched with closed captioning and i was watching and it had in parentheses suspenseful music <laughs> and i realized as i'm watching i'm like i am 100 percent rooting for the avalanche oh yeah definitely like, and i know i'm not supposed to be rooting for the avalanche and i'm rooting for the avalanche to kill him right before the avalanche gets triggered and because because bruce is like the star of the weekend he goes down and takes the first run down the mountain he makes he oh, he oh, shares yeah. a chair swing with a girl on the way up. And when you see them get off the chair swing, he is like, he's like, how old are you? She goes, 16. You got an ID? Yeah. Meet me in the bar after. He's yeah. like fully uh. picking up a 16 Yeah. And, and this was after she had hit, like she not hit on. She'd be like, hi, can I get an autograph yeah, for you? Yeah, she wanted like, an autograph. Yeah, she wanted an autograph. And he's just like, this is very clearly like an MO for him that he just picks up. He's just so Boom. gross. I was yeah, so rooting for him. so gross. So rooting for him yeah. to die. I think, does he, I don't he, know why he, he just, dies, right? Like when they get him out of the ambulance, he's not alive because he gets buried. They pull him out. And then the, I think it was the. Oh, that girl is like, the the, the skater is like, he can't be dead. Yeah, and I'm like, please dead. let him be dead. Yeah, please <laughs> let him be dead. I know. I was just like, it's not fair if he's if he's not dead, honestly. I yeah, wanted that because if, if he wasn't at all the wrong people died in this movie. Because yeah. we lose Mrs. Shelby. Yeah, I know. Mrs. Shelby died for their sins. Mrs. Shelby. And 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 this is a, this is a not reality. This is, I didn't buy this. Because Mrs. Shelby, she gets trapped in the lodge when the first light, when the landslide happens and the avalanche hits. Yeah. And there's a gas line broken. So her and Mc, the, the accountant, Mc, yeah. her, her manservant, the purser. <laughs> Are, are trapped in this room and they're kind of, they're, they're going to asphyxiate because of the gas. Well, Rock digs them out just in time. He gets his mom out, gets her in an ambulance. And then we think like, oh, she's made it. And Mia Farrow gets in the ambulance. So they're, well, we cut to them 
a while later, and for some reason, the ambulance driver is going like a hundred goddamn miles an hour. Greening down the hill. Down a snowy, icy mountain for seemingly no reason, going so recklessly fast that he seems to throw Mia Farrow from the vehicle despite it having fully closed doors in it at a certain point, the ambulance with Mrs. Shelby in it, it flies off of like a bridge and lands in a water below and then fucking explodes. Yeah, they wanted to really make sure we knew Mrs. Shelby was <laughs> we dead. We did not need to lose Mrs. Shelby at all. And we particularly did not need to lose her that way at the hands of an uselessly reckless ambulance driver. And particularly was when that? afterward we see that they're doing helicopter rescues. Yeah, was that like, was what? insane. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, how, how dare you? How very dare you? She <laughs> did not. It was an unnecessary. She's a, and she's a lush She's so She's great. hilarious. She during the, you know, as in the customary before the catastrophe party as is as necessary in these 1970s films. Yes, got to have it. Um she has take she's drunk and she is now toasting to everybody. Aloha. Yeah, aloha. aloha. That is her toast. She starts yep. playing the piano. Yeah. <laughs> Independent. There's a band there and she like basically I assume has kicked the piano player off Most of the likely. piano. I mean, she's got the run of the place. She's Mrs. Why Shelby. Why not? She's fabulous. When she finds when she sees Mia Farrow and she's like, "Oh, are you dating anybody?" and Mia Farrow's like, "Oh, two or three. And she's like, "Oh, are you a swinger now?" And it's like, "Yeah." And like, yeah. And like, this is your son's ex who he's still very hung up on. And she's like, get it. Yeah, I honestly, I want it, Mia. Like that dynamic should have been, I kind of think my son's a shit. So go get it. Like I would have loved it if there had been that dynamic, but that's not a 1970s mother-son dynamic. Yeah, especially not with this very close mother-son of the Shelbys. And they didn't need to be that way though. But like it, but that was not what they were going for. But yeah, God, Mrs. Shelby, I was so, when she, I was so angry. It was, I was, <laughs> I was not the devastated I was when Belle Rosen died, but I was also oh. the like, no, 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 no. I want that. I want her movie. Like, yeah, I just and, same way that I'm like, I want to, I want her and Belle Rosen have a buddy comedy. That was, they didn't need to give us, because Belle had, Belle died a hero, but she wasn't like, she hadn't made it out of the catastrophe when she died. Mrs. Shelby she had made, made it. it. Yeah. She made it. There was no reason to then kill her because it would ostensibly, it has to set up is that because Mia Farrow is in Robert Forster's home when the avalanche hits and she apparently digs her way out because then we see her coming down the mountain much later after we've been away from her for a long time. Mia Farrow had a couple days where she just didn't feel like shooting apparently. Yeah, like right. She just, the She's third resting. act, the third act, the avalanche hits and then there's just, and we see Mia Farrow like react in the cabin yeah. to the avalanche coming and then we just don't see her again until she is now at the lodge, totally safe and sound. Yeah, yeah. Being like, oh, let me, where's your mother? I'll help with CPR. Yeah. Like, the next thing she does is CPR on Mia Farrow, on, on Mrs. Shelby. And yeah. it's just. And then we, it's like we need the moment. It, like they needed the moment where she, Mia Farrow had to be saved by, yeah. by both of the men, both of her sort of suitors. So she bails out of the ambulance, but she ends up hanging from a guardrail that's dangling over this like ravine. So they, the men together save her. It's like, we could have found a different way to imperil Mia Farrow that yeah. didn't involve killing Mrs. Shelby. She this could have just brutal. That taxi that she wound up finding. Cause somehow at the <laughs> yeah. end of the movie, she's in a taxi. Uh-huh. She found on this like mountainside that has a lot of, that has ice and an ambulance can't safely drive on it. She somehow pulls up in a taxi. Lyft, like there's no Lyft won't pick you up at the Hollywood Bowl. I don't know how a taxi was getting to her over there, but 
maybe like Mia Farrow could have been in a taxi accident. A thing a big Or could have been buried in the cabin. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then Rock Hudson and what's his and 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 Robert Forster had to save yeah, her. Yeah, they like, could have been like, oh my God, have you seen Mia Farrow? No. Oh my God, she's probably in my house, which is probably buried in snow. We gotta go get her. But yeah. they, they they opted instead to kill Mrs. Shelby. <sighs> And I, I a, a thing that we definitely need to talk about is I think the the most unreality thing on all of this is that we when the avalanche starts to to happen, nobody like I I get that they move very quickly, but as it is as it is tumbling down the mountain, it is getting very close to people and nobody's reacting. We just see them overtaken by snow. Yeah, like. Even while like there, there's a scene where there's like there's a long like a, a ski jumping competition. There's a scene where the full the snow is engulfed half the screen, and you're still hearing the announcer feed of what this long jumper is doing in air. When it's like, why are you doing this still? Why is everybody not running? Like he's also what is like going actively on? narrating about how this guy is taking a tumble. And it's yeah. like, do you not know why he's taking a <laughs> yeah. tumble? There was a very it was like. You remember in Boa how we kept being like, how do they not know the snake is behind them? (laughs) It was like that, except this had the sound effects there. You kept hearing the rumbling and you kept seeing like they did a great job with the practical effects of making you feel very aware of how much of a force this avalanche was, except that it had to be five feet behind a person for them to notice it. There is, they, they, there is an ice rink that has stands that has bleachers set up in front of it. So you can watch the skaters. And one of the set pieces that gets taken out by the avalanche is there's a figure skater out on the ice and there are people watching her and there are, she's, she's not got her back to the avalanche. She is, figure skating to the moment she is overtaken by a fucking mountain coming down on her nobody is reacting running away what what the hell was that like it would have been just as dramatic if people had tried to get away from the avalanche as opposed to just having them not knowing it was coming it was it was as if if you didn't see the avalanche you'd be okay from it like if if they had if everyone had been like nope there's no avalanche the avalanche (laughs) would be like sorry guys you're right good yeah 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 never mind if you if you it would just like creep away yeah yeah (laughs) i would tiptoe out the door it was it yeah it was deeply it made no sense um that was something I'm glad you felt that too. Cause as I was watching, yeah. like, am I being too critical? But it feels like, I mean, avalanches are loud. This is a, and it was, it was repeated. It was like, okay, the skiers didn't know it was coming. Yeah. The ice skaters didn't know it was coming. The cross country skiers now don't know it's coming. The people, by the way, with, there's all sorts of winter games that are happening at this like big launch day. At yeah. The they're resort. having like the Shelby Olympics. And yeah. Yeah. Very much so. And one of them, the to- one that totally caught me by surprise was the like no holds barred snowmobile race. Yeah, there was this little like Mad Max sort of just like, everybody people body checking each, each other. other. Yeah. Like, a guy looking at him and he's like, you bitch. You, you bitch fuck you it was like what is it was this? it was such an intense what yeah what is this and like what they introduced they're like the man who invented dirty snowmobiling <laughs> like who made snowmobiling a dirty sport it was like what is this injection yeah. of like death race 5000 on snowmobiles and we want this is like the first game we see kick off and it's a pretty long process until the avalanche starts happening where we really have no reason to care about any of these characters no. but then the avalanche starts coming down later and it overtakes the snow machine people it's like they're still racing how long is this course <laughs> how long have they been snow machining and kicking at each other like and none of these people 
know this is coming? Yeah. And are they all so separate from one another throughout the resort that each one of these things can be overtaken individually and nobody knows what's happening? Maybe they're all happening simultaneously and we just see it all in sequential form. Like maybe like, that's what that the, was happening the there. People but yeah. in, the people in force majeure yeah. see the avalanche coming and react. And this is an avalanche that like inconveniences a resort, not fully levels it. Yeah. And like they saw that avalanche and heard it coming and tried to get away at least at the last second. These people, they didn't know until they were buried under snow, until yeah. they were dead. So that was a bit like it was it was deeply it was it was a weird Especially for choice. all like you said all the, the clearly the energy they put into the practical effects of creating these like coverage shots of like snow and ice chunks falling down and like there's one little spot oh. where like there's a fence the near little girl the, against there's the a little fence. girl up against oh the fence God. and then you just it's a really quick shot and you see the ice like the snow like throw her into the fence you're like oh my god oh I my just God. crushed a fucking kid yeah you're <laughs> like oh wow that that child just was liquefied yeah. through yeah. through a fence a chain link fence it was it was horrifying there's a there's another funny like antiquated but very believable because it's the 70s moment as I was oh. telling you about earlier Amanda, there is a big, and I, I guess these are real, like these uh, big cannon on the side of the yeah. mountain where you could basically launch missiles into the mountain to like slough off snow so yeah. it doesn't build up to like create avalanche conditions. So Robert Forster, because he's the mayor of the mountain, he snowshoes up to this cannon that is utterly accessible yeah. to anyone. It is in no way locked you don't need a key code to get into it nope. it's just there with a cover on it like for snow purposes so if you had the ordinances you could just get up there and start shooting fucking missiles at things on the mountain it looks Whoa. like a it looks like a 150 caliber rifle yeah it's attached huge. to a a, a a turret but it's the 70s, so sure. Yeah, I, I like, had no not? questions in my head about that. I was like, yeah, no, I mean, like, we've learned that this is not a particularly accessible mountain to begin with. Yeah. Um, people don't seem to really care or go up there much. And so I fully, and I was just like, yeah, why wouldn't that just be something Robert Forster know, happens to know where the location of it is? Yeah, and, and he, he knows how to use it. Yes, like, and yes. he clearly has. And he knows the right angle and height and what to do to do it in a way that's, like, yeah. not going to hurt anybody. I fully believe all of these things. Yeah. He may have built that. He yeah. may have brought that with him from the war. It's entirely possible. I like, thought when you said um, a, a fully believable 70s thing, having just talked about the kid, though, I do want to say, I thought you were going to talk about the fact that the mother and father leave their child behind. <laughs> so they open up the ski resorts. Um, the, what's it called? Uh, gondoli? Gon with the gondola. The gondola. Or like, no, the it. ski lift. A ski lift. Yeah. The gon gondola up works too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't ski. Um, I skied once. It did not end well. <laughs> it was right before I broke my wrist. I it was, it was, it, I don't do extreme winter sports. I, winter it, sports and water sports I, I need nothing to do with them fair happy to watch yeah. I love don't, water sports don't wish, so don't wish to participate I'll be in a boat yeah I'll go I, I'll be on a mountain love sports Guys, generally not those sports wakeboarding is the best it's it, the no. best thing ever but water is no. frightening water is a frightening thing <laughs> oh yeah that's right I, remember I just don't want to hit water hard what, hitting water hard is like hitting cement hard. It's so just that not makes fun. Sense. It's just not fun. I like it more than hitting and cement then, hard. And then anyway. Jordan, I don't like either of those things. <laughs> I one, The one time I went skiing, I wound up sliding on my stomach facing away from downslope. I like a... So on my stomach for yeah. about 30 feet. I like um, an inner tube on a bunny hill. That's oh, fun. delightful. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Don't put me on... Don't put sleds on my feet, though. Have you ever gotten... No. Uh, um, what do they call that? Um, um, ice... Ice... Ice blocking. 
No. Or you just ride an ice block down a hill? No. You know what I'd like to do? I'd like to do snowshoeing. I would like to snowshoe. That's I'll be doing that this weekend. Wonderful. Oh. Yeah. So great. Yeah. That that I would love that adventure of snowshoeing. Okay. I would like snowshoe with Robert Forster. I would I would I would do pretty much any winter activity with Robert Forster. If right, you were yeah. like, let's go skiing, I'd be like, sure, Robert Forster. If you were like, we're gonna go hunt a deer, I'd be like, sure, Robert Forster. <laughs> <laughs> if you were like, we're gonna go live in an igloo, I'd be like, sure, Robert Forster. <laughs> um, but going so this this child, so they're on the 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 mother and father go off on the on the ski lift and yeah. the mark whatever he's the tv guy whose ex-wife is sad tina yeah and he's Who, just standing there and this little kid who's like eight maybe that we don't <laughs> see very much of so we can't determine if he's a shitty child or not i would assume he is not from all accounts he looks pretty yeah, much like a nice it together pretty he well. keeps it together pretty well he just seems i think his name's jason like he seems pretty <laughs> seems pretty good um but he's just like sad and mark's like hey do you want to ski too and the kid's like yeah i'm wearing ski shoes skis yeah. like yes i want to ski and mark calls after the parents Hey, is it okay if your son skis with me? And the parents would even turn around. They're like, yeah, sure, that's cool. Deuces. And Very 70s. So sad. I was like, yes, I believe that they were like, no, we're going to go do our fun skiing thing. Yeah. Like they've left that kid unattended for key parties without question. Yeah, definitely. He's raising uh, himself. Oh, yeah. That, in the TV. That child, yes, that child <laughs> in the TV, that child is going to grow up to have so many issues with women. <laughs> I, I, uh, I feel like we should we should uh, note the resolve of Tina's storyline. Uh, sadly, <laughs> the next time we see Tina after she runs screaming from Bruce's room. Oh, and after Bruce kicks her out. Yeah, because and like there's a tearful goodbye at the door where she's like, "Please, I love you, I love you, please, Bruce," and he just goes, he's just like. Tina, please. And yeah. just basically guides her out the door and closes it behind her. The next time we see her, she's in her bedroom. Here, she's in her hotel room wearing a shirt that says Bruce with a handful of pills that are rendered useless when the avalanche bursts through the wall and yep. presumably kills her. And that's the last we see of Sad Tina. That is the end of Sad Tina. It's which like not right to do to her no tina tina needed therapy didn't tina didn't that. deserve that no. no i and i i feel like in in my my enjoyment of this movie was dramatically raised by the ending that i liked so much besides us losing mrs shelby we're in the chalet or we, we're in the resort lobby at the end of the night like kind of the rescue mission has been complete i think as much as it's going to be robert forster and mia farrow are outside the front door and they kind of share some nice words and then he's like you know, I'll see you like, bye. Like, and they, they say goodbye to one another. Like I got to go bye. So it's like, oh, darn. Like those two kids aren't going to, those two kids aren't going to hook up with each other and you're kind of rooting for them. But like, it was just one night. So fine. And then she goes in and she, Mia Farrow's in the lobby with Rock Hudson. And you're worried that because he's saved her life and they've had this trauma together. I was worried that she was going to give in and get back together with him. And he, it doesn't happen. It doesn't and happen. And she tells him, she's like, I love you. I love you. Like, he says, I was wrong. I accept responsibility. And she says, I, you've never said that before. She's like, I love you. I really love you. And he's like, then he said, what does he say? Like, I know friend. Yeah. Like he calls her friend. Yeah. And it's very clear that, oh my God, they're not going to get together. Thank God. She's like, I got to go. And that's when she goes out and catches her mystery cab. Yeah. And like leaves him behind in the wreckage of his life because he's now completely broke. He's broke. Yeah. Cause he's fully leveraged. The reason this entire, we didn't even talk about why this avalanche happened, which is that he has been yelling at like his accountant or something who lives not on the mountain yeah. to arrive immediately. So he's been, oh, Shelby's been the, getting all of these like, this reporter on yep. his ass and so he calls this accountant or his shady dealer 
and is like, get this file up here, get this file right now, fly, I don't care about the conditions, yeah. fly it up here. Plane flies into a mountain, sets off the avalanche, yep. which means that this paperwork that he needed to like feign his own innocence is gone. He's gone, yeah. So basically there's a sequel that was never made in my head of like the 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 spotlight style <laughs> investigative journalism movie. Yeah. Which by the way, Mrs. Shelby is not legally banned because they're not married anymore. She can testify against him. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just he the the wreckage of his life, he is broke. He has multiple wrongful deaths suits happening. Right, yeah. And on top of all of that, there's also the fact that, like, he definitely engaged in bribery. Yeah. <laughs> I see. So I was relieved as well as uh, about the fact that they didn't get back together at the yeah. end. I also was like, as she pops the champagne that she found, drinks it from the bottle, and then they laugh about having an open skylight. And I was like, guys, you're laughing and drinking champagne quite literally on the graves yeah over dead bodies hundreds over dead bodies this is not the levity like yeah. even if he's even if you ignore the fact that his mother has just died yeah. in a horrific accident yeah. in front of him horrible unnecessary accident like the sort of thing where not only is she dead from the car accident but then it explodes sort uh-huh. of excessiveness yeah independent of that like dude a lot of people just died yeah and you guys are like having the ha 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 yeah i guess the two of us aren't gonna get together after all yeah. sort of like <laughs> chuckle poignant goodbye really yeah like there's you're adjacent to the kitchen which had the most amazing series the, there explos- is there is a gas explosion in the kitchen yeah. that, to a slapstick degree throws people away yeah. with the force of the blast that is hysterical even before that when the avalanche hits there is for no good reason wow one of the guys in the kitchen is carrying a fully iced cake oh yeah and he just throws it directly into a wall that's falling down the ceiling comes down on him he throws the cake into the ceiling one of the chefs gets covered in jambalaya right next to the stove so he pulls a giant cauldron of boiling soup onto his own head and then there's the gas line explosion that throws one man a full 10 feet back straight into the wall and blows a woman onto a table sending her sliding comically across that table through produce slid across that table slip and slide across the table it's like oh my god (laughs) This is a gag reel yeah. right now. It was so crazy. And that just came out of nowhere. There were, yeah, there were like these non sequitur moments in this movie, like like no holds barred snowmobiling, yeah. the slapstick explosive problems in the kitchen, like the commentary by Mrs. Shelby, the like off color jokes at the end of yeah. the movie when everyone's dead. Like it was. I liked the the jarring atonal nature. It of was it. it was really truly an odd aspect to it. Yeah, um, idiosyncratic, really. Yeah, and so I I think that brings us to the end of this portion. Uh, the one more thing for reality index. Oh. I do want to say for everybody as a warning, as we've now seen in not one, not two, but oh, three different right. movies. Very important. If you are ever at a party, yep. Friends, if you're ever at a party and there's a band and you've never heard of this band before, but they only know one song and they won't stop playing yep. it. And they play it multiple times through the <laughs> evening. Get out of there. You're in a disaster. There, movie. there will be no morning after. There will be no. This is this was some song about like you're a new person. <laughs> I, like it was some swing in 70s song. 
Um, but I mean, it played even like, it like even three th- different times through the course of that party. And I was like, this can't be happening again. And it was. Right. Like, this is even Groundhog Day. Like yeah. every morning he wakes up to that song. Repetitions, repetitious songs herald disaster. Yeah. So just just as a warning, guys, I will di- I will I have to diverge from it just because I have a, a song on repeat story that I can share with this, which I think is a kind of weird thing to have. Sure. Very early on in my time living in San Francisco, I was trying to take a bus home from the mission to the inner Richmond district where I lived. And that's like going over a hill and dale to get there. And it was like two in the morning. So I was waiting for the bus at the stop and the little bus, like the, the little screen on the inside tells you how mm. much time till the bus comes. And it was like five minutes four minutes, six minutes, eight minutes, 180 minutes. It's <laughs> like, fuck, okay, that means I got to take a cab. So I hail a cab. The only car that stops for me that's around is like a bunch of dents in it. Mm. And sure. the front seat definitely has like per- many personal belongings in it, presumably of the cabbie. The seats are like, I don't notice this really until like I get fully in and close the door behind me. And the seats are like kind of ripped. <laughs> like this looks like a janky ass cab and like a bad situation. Yeah. And so I tell him where I'm going and I had taken a cab home before at that point. So I at least knew what the drive looked like. And this guy starts taking a totally different route than I had seen. And we're going up into the hills and it is late. And the song lost without you by Robin Thicke is playing. Oh my God. When I get in the car. And as we go on this drive that is unnecessarily long and winding. So it's taking a long time. This song is just playing on repeat. And it is dark and it is foggy. And I'm just hearing, lost without you, can't help myself. Oh, God. Six times. This no. song played over six times Ugh. as I'm getting more and more scared that this car is just getting further away from where I needed to go. Oh, God. I finally start recognizing like na- my neighborhood. I'm like, okay, we finally arrived on track. I've been hearing this song six times in a row. The guy gets out of the car because he says his credit card machine reader, his credit card reader is in the trunk. So he opens up the trunk, is pulling things around and like jostling the car. And I'm like, I, that's an ax. I'm going to get fucking killed. It is really foggy in the inner Richmond. There's no one else on the street. And this guy is just mm-hmm. digging around in his trunk. Oh I am frozen sitting in the back of the car. And then he finally comes around and knocks on the, the window and I roll it down. And he's like, well, I can't get it out. So it looks like he got a free ride. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh thank my God. God. Cause I was, I was like, I was like, this is one of those stories. Yeah. Like, this is one of those stories. This is how it ends. Oh. So that's my, Yes, the same song playing on repeat is a terrifying omen. Just <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Amanda would have with Amanda's like I would have gotten out she would car she would have in, in motion. Amanda would have jumped out of the car yeah. in the hate. I mill, have in the I have turned down lifts because of the fact that the back windows are too tinted. I believe and that Whoa. that's a reasonable policy. I have a hundred percent been like, nope, you're not driving me home tonight because you're the, I can't see into the back windows of your car and there could be a guy gra- in there hiding to grab me. That's, yes. So no, if I saw. If I saw the ripped seat cushions <laughs> and Robin Thicke is playing on repeat, Robin Thicke playing on repeat yeah, in already. and of itself, that's Stay no, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Robin Thicke myself. playing is enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, un- unless he's like, I, uh, the only exception that would be if he, I open the car door and he's like, heads up, I'm a huge mass singer fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, 
cool we can talk about that and then i would I'd be like there's no serial killers who like the mass singer that's just a rule he just asked me when he's like oh are you cool with this song i was like yeah i didn't know you that didn't know. Would play six times. <laughs> you didn't know that he meant you meant like are you cool only, with only, only this, this song, song. yeah yeah. Fuck. yeah so yeah that's my my tangential yeah. singer story and so, i will throw throw it to then uh dream casting oh we gotta do what's this movie really about what's this really about yeah what do you think this movie is really about um i think that mia farrow is the mountain Oh, okay. I think Mia Farrow's The Mountain, unconquerable, cold, distant. Oh, wow. Um, doesn't need anybody uh-huh. and has been doing just fine without anybody. Yeah. And the only person who can truly tame her is Robert Forster. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I think that that's the entire thing for him, for for Shelby of mm. being like, I saw that mountain and I wanted to climb it. Yeah. And I want to be the only person, like... He clear cuts the mountain to try and tame it. Uh huh. He can't clear cut Mia Farrow. <laughs> he cannot. You can't. You can't do it. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that it's telling that Mia Farrow is completely di- missing from most of the avalanche mm. sequence. Um, mm. Mia Farrow is the avalanche. Um, she is the avalanche. The avalanche is her. The meat, <laughs> she is the mountain. The mountain is her. Um, and I mean, like in a larger sense, obviously, you can talk about the the whole like. The arrogance of man. Yeah, and the like environment. The uncom- yeah. Yep. But like at tr- at its heart, I truly believe this is a movie that is all about Mia Farrow as a mountain. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Jordan? I think this is about, I think this is about redefining, I think this is about redefining masculinity. Oh. Mm. Because I, because we have Robert Forster, who is, who is the man of the mountain. He was the master of the mountain. Mm. Who is clearly like, who's clearly all man. Yeah who is very, who's very forceful. He's very direct. He's very much like this litany of things. I think you would like that get typically associated with like male point of view. He's rational. He's logical. He goes for what he wants. He's relentless. Um, but he's also chivalrous yeah. and he's a gentleman and he's, he begins the courtship by saying, can I give you a big hug? He is, he, he immediately descends the mountain to start saving lives. Nothing he has done the entire movie has been selfishly motivated, but at no point has he sacrificed his like alpha confidence. Yeah. Meanwhile, the, the person who's the catalyst for all these things, Rock Hudson's character is, is those masculine traits as well, but like just so needy and so insecure and so coddled by his mother that has clearly reinforced in him his entire life that mm. he is a prince, he is a conqueror, he can do no wrong. Mm. Whereas there's a self-sufficiency, it seems like, that was bred into Robert Forrester's character from an early age that yeah. made him realize, like, this is a life of balance. <laughs> this is a life of balance. And, you know, you've got you've you've to get, get what you give. I like that. Yeah. And so, and, you know, it also just, and just as a surface level... What a show. It's, it's, it's about how great Robert Forster is. It is always about what it's about Robert how great Forster. Robert Forster is. I'm sorry, were you just about to jump into New Radicals? Yep. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, no, it is. At its heart, every movie is about how great Robert Forster is. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I hope that he was the twin brother of Robert Forster and Alligator. Oh, right. And yeah, like, the, one's the, the nature. Cinematic universe. Yeah. That like one's a nature photographer and one's, yeah, one's a, a cop, a cop. And they just like, they haven't <laughs> talked in years, but you know, they yeah, know they, that they're, they're there for like, each other. They're both raised by like a single mother who, yeah. who just, who didn't take any shit, but instilled in them great values. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want the Forrester brothers to fight over me. <laughs> yes. So does that see, I, yeah. and with dream casting, it's kind of one that I don't really want to touch. Yeah. 
I kind of, because I'm not taking out Robert Forster. No, no, it, that's a tough one. And I, I really like Mia Farrow in this. And the age difference between her and Rock Hudson is so grotesque. But like, I would, I think, want to change it if they had ended up together. But because they don't, I'm like, yeah, she got the fuck out of there. So I kind of like, I kind of like where it's at. Like, I, I thought of like, do I want to put like a Faye Dunaway in there? Like, because you mentioned yeah. Faye Dunaway. And then I was like, oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. Where it is that like brassy ballsy kind of presence like you think Mm -hmm. of in like network yeah or do I just like no this is just like a young woman who had to like go off and find herself but I don't want to make it like I don't want to make it someone also I don't want to make it someone else who is soft Mm. yeah like I don't want to make it like sissy spacek yeah of that era I don't want to make it like who was who was in the love is never having to say you're sorry oh uh ali mcgraw yeah ali mcgraw yeah um I don't want to make it like someone like that so I just I kind of just like where I kind of like where I, I really loved Mrs. Shelby, yeah. like Grandma Shelby, Ugh, Ma- Mama Shelby. Shelby. Um, I don't, I honestly don't know who I would have to like do a full modern era update. Yeah. Instead of doing old timey casting, but maybe I'll do that after you say something and I'll feel inspired. So where are you at? So I similarly, I couldn't do a modern casting for it. Right. Because right. short of like completely redoing this movie and redoing the angles on it. Yeah. I, it's you so have to. 70s. It's so seventies. You got to restructure the whole movie, and then like it becomes a whole thing. Yeah, it just it, it, it feels so seventies. So instead, I went and I basically was like, "Who from Poseidon Adventure and Towering Inferno? Right? Would I cast? That's kind of what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. So I recast it with pulling from that cast. Um, and so for Rock Hudson's character Shelby, I went with Bill with uh, Bill Holden. Okay. Um, which gives him a little more of that sexy edge because sure. Bill Holden could get it. Mm-hmm. Um. Robert Forrester, like, obviously I would leave Robert Forrester, but if I'm going to pull from it, rules of this, the only guy who can hold a candle to Robert Forrester's woodsy manliness, Steve McQueen. Okay. I was hope I was yeah. like, who's it going to be? She better say Steve McQueen. Okay. Jordan, Jordan's okay. mouth was like open and just staring at me. Yeah, like, like she, I could watch the word Steve McQueen float <laughs> out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah. The bubble, the, the bubble, sound was, bubble there. was there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it was Steve oh, McQueen. Totally. It's gotta be Steve. Like weird, like tanned, even though it's winter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blue piercing. Oh, eyes. his eyes could melt in a, the in snow. A, in a cable knit sweater. Yes. Yeah. Offering a beer or cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steve totally. McQueen. Totally, totally. Um, Mia Farrow would obviously be Faye Dunaway, which she would be a little bit more. Yeah. Because I wouldn't mm. mind her having a little more of a backbone and being a little more like. A little bit, yeah. Hey, I didn't want you to change the reservation to my. To, if I wanted yeah. it under your name, I would have put it under your yeah, name. I that's wanted her the to vibe push, she would have brought to yeah, that. Yeah. And I would have liked her to push back. And then she would have had a little bit of a wryness where you could see a little bit of that being torn about him versus right. this where you're like, why are you here? You don't like this man. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tina. Tragic Tina. I went with uh, <laughs> tragic the girl who played Susan in Poseidon oh, Adventure. That makes total mm. sense. Yeah, yeah. She could do hysterical screaming Panicking really well. Susan. Um, I am adding. I'm keeping Mrs. Shelby as is, and I'm adding in Bell Rose. Adding in Bell Rose. I'm making them sort of a Shelley traveling. Winters, right? Shelley Winters. Shelley Winters. I'm making them sort of like a, a traveling companions. Like yeah. And this is my best friend Bell. Yeah. And yeah. They, and then they would just like sit there and be lewd together. And Bell would talk about the swimming championship, swimming championships. And Absolutely. They'd be drunk. Yeah, they would be drunk and they would be hitting on the snowmobilers. Yeah, yeah. And it would be fantastic. I would, <laughs> I, I want the, I want them as like the Waldorf and Statler of this movie so bad. Yeah, yeah. I think if, if I were, if there was, if I, if I tried to make this a modern movie, yeah. I feel like I would, it would have to be all, all older actors yeah. to keep it that pace. So I guess my best attempt at it would be like, I would actually make like, 
Mia Farrow's character would be like Ellen Burstein. Yeah. Mm. Like she would be a, it would be a couple that had been together for 50 years. Yeah. And then he had left her yeah. for his secretary. And, yeah. And they were divorced yeah. later in life. Yeah. And like her, her counterpart would be, gosh, what is that guy's name? He was in the borrowers and that's what I was Jim Broadbent He's oh been in so yeah. Much more yeah but Jim wow Broadbent. that is a deep cut on that one <laughs> I love the I borrowers I love Jim Broadbent <laughs> I, <laughs> I could have said Moulin Rouge but you could I could have said, said Paddington so I could have said Paddington I said the borrowers yep. yeah like like Julie Julie uh, I mean yeah Ellen Burstein Jim Broadbent that it would be that kind yeah. of like mature person. It would be like film. it would be like um that that hotel in India movie. Oh yeah, last like best exotic marigold. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it would be that, but with an avalanche. Yeah, mm. and and like yeah, so the hair is not the only thing that's white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and hot so, flashes and cold slopes. Yeah. So if you had if you had best exotic, <laughs> yeah. it would be like basically that cast. Yeah. So I would also, by Bill, the way, oh, make Bill Nighy would oh, be like would Robert be Forrester. Yeah. Oh yeah. He would be, he the would one. absolutely be that. Yeah. yeah. I can totally yeah. like with his wry sense of humor Yeah, or like a Tom Wilkinson yeah. would be in that, I feel like would be in that category. So that's the direction I would take it yeah. if I was doing it now, because I wouldn't try and make it like Ryan Reynolds is going to be in right. this Right. I mean, like you end up having like the rock is going to be one of the characters. Yeah. Like it's just not going to, it's he, he'll stop the entire snow. He'll like, Dig out the thing with his bare hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only person I would bring forward or take any or bring to the past with like a time machine. Uh-huh. I do Makeda's uh, red buttons. From, oh, which I think that would just be like, he had that kind of vibe as uh-huh. the haberdasher. <laughs> but um, I would bring from the future to the past to play Bruce Scott, Miles Teller. <laughs> Yeah, um, because Bruce, like Bruce Scott would that shitty little be Miles he would be, just like that was a Miles Teller sort of like gross vibe. <laughs> oh and I was like, yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. Yeah, so I, I, I would see that. I would. I am taking the Jordan route here. Yeah, and I'm. I'm. Yeah, he would be. He would be in this movie with like Jim Wilkinson. Yeah. Oh, and, would he be hitting and, on? Yeah, he would just be. He would be the young hotshot skier there yeah. that would be amongst all of these like older folks. <laughs> And his like whole bit is he's trying to like swindle old ladies kind okay. of thing because this is a resort situation. Sure. Maybe he's like on his way out. He's not the, he's not on the, you know, he's his like Brody Jenner days or who's the skier guy. It's not a Jenner, but it's a Brody, something Brody. Who was our fast downhill skier? Adam Brody? No. no. Oh, what's your name? I know who you're talking about. Yeah, American downhill. Skier it makes more man. sense once you said not Brody Jenner. Yeah, and I was it's like, not okay, Brody cool. Because Brody Jenner, I mean, like, also would swindle old ladies potentially in my head, but like, like if anybody's gonna do sort of a, a Heartbreakers remake, Bodie Miller. Oh, right. Bodie Miller could yeah. be Brody. He's Jenner. a Bodie Miller type, but is like his days are behind yeah. him, so he's just trying to like con old ladies out of their money. Absolutely. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, so that's I, I like both of these casts. Okay, yeah. So, so what do you think then for the towering infernos? I mean, I gotta put it at like, I you know, I I I gotta put it like a three. It was fine. Mm-hmm. It is not something I'd watch again. Mm-hmm. I watched it twice, and the second time, even I was like, why did I do that? Like, <laughs> I watched it the second time to figure out who all the people were, but like, <laughs> eh, it it didn't deliver enough on the disaster early enough. Okay. To tide me over while also not being compelling enough with the rest of it 
to keep me from being bored without the disaster. And see, you're giving it like a sad three. I'm going to give it a happy three. Like really? it's a three I feel good about. I see mine's a glass half empty three. Yeah, there it is. Because like, yeah, like I feel like your voice is saying like two and a half. Yeah. And, and I feel I like can't three, two and a three half out of five is more than the halfway point. So I'm <sighs> giving it a three. I, I Okay. I just, I can't give it a three, a happy three because yeah. it's <laughs> like, the sn- like, it deserves a three because it's like really good snow effects and all the things yeah. that make it. It's not bad. It's not like yeah. mega fault. Yeah. No. Or bow. Like with the things that we've done below a three, yes. below the serviceable line. Mm-hmm. Those are those are bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What this was is... the Sorbo one? Oh, what was God. the Firefingers movie? Uh, did I? I don't know if I have. To, I, I might have kept track of it. Some of them I've I managed remember to remember. Yeah, I just remember we called. We said Firefingers so much. I kind yeah. of forgot the name of the actual. Fire, um, no, that fire, fire from below. Was, fire from below. There we go. Yeah. It was um, like fire twister, fire fingers, no. fire from below. Fire from below. I don't think that I, I did not keep track of what it is. Um, it, we did not give it a good rating. <laughs> um, Megafault got like one and a half stars. Yeah. I imagine that fire from below got something in par with that. Got it. Um, it's yeah. It's just like, I think Boa got like two Jason, did you watch this? You have a star rating for Avalanche. I did not. Uh, uh, yeah. a t- an Inferno rating. Jason did not. Jason, Jason's it's, had a busy week. So I've, I've okay. had a, I've had a rough go of it in terms of watching movies lately. That's okay. Do we do we do we we do know what we're doing for our next? We do one. know what we're doing for this our next a, episode. This, one's this is a, a good one. Fun fun biggie. one. Mika McKinnon. It's Mika McKinnon. I follow her on Twitter. <laughs> I'll just read directly from her bio: Field geophysicist, disaster researcher. Sci-fi science consultant, science writer, public speaker, and irrepressibly curious. And we are going to be talking with her about... San Andreas. Oh my God. We have The Rock, we have Carla Gugino, and we have Alexandra Daddario in one place. I am beside myself. And we have the San Andreas fault. Oh. Like, I you have to... all the people you care about. I have a fault I you care about. You have the fault you care about. I wanted to see this movie so bad when it was in theaters. and It I was think, worth it. I think I skipped it so that I could watch it for the first time for this show. I, I was like you, like, you, like, yeah, just like in like, your yeah. heart you knew. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I'm so excited to talk about it. I'm so excited to watch this movie. I can't wait to watch what I assume is a movie where rock, the rock holds together the Pacific and North American plate. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Sure, I'm just not? assuming that is the entire. And, and Alexandra Daddario plays the genetic combination of Carlo Gugino and the rock having a child. I mean, you know what? When you throw those <laughs> genetics together, why wouldn't someone who's just like objectively perfect, right? But not physically resembling either of them, yeah. be the result? Yeah, it just math happened. Yeah, and the the equation produced the, the correct result. The DNA was like, uh, uh, I don't know, but okay. Yeah, that was what happened. That's the what the Punnett square looked like. <laughs> the the gametes. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So, so um, we have a yeah we have a we have a guest and we have an all star film, which uh, is very exciting. Yes, um, and I should probably tell you guys where it's located to watch it. Yes, please. We'd love to know where to watch it. It's always nice to uh, <laughs> to check it out. I think. By the way, I was thinking about this the other day, and I should probably just say it on the show so that we hold ourselves to it. Uh, uh, we should start saying at the beginning of episodes where people can watch it, just because I feel like. That way, if they're like, maybe I'll tune in for a second mm, and like, good see call. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that the people who are coming in late every episode, someone's first episode. Right. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, just something I was thinking about. Every that's a good episode, idea. Someone's first episode. So a um, couple things. You can either watch this on uh, Prime. You can rent it for four dollars. 
It also apparently is airing on TBS with regularity. Um, February 21st, February 22nd. You can watch it on TBS. I don't know if it'll be cut at all or edited. (laughs) I don't know. But um, yeah, this is one of the rare times where we're actually talking about a movie that people will pay for in syndication. Yeah. So guys, Jordan, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at JorCru, J-O-R-C-R-U. I'm at Amanda R. Tubbs. That's Tubbs with two Bs. And Jason? Uh, I'm at Jason Halftones on Twitter, or if you're letterboxed inclined, I'm, uh, <laughs> at, that might be cool. I've been having a lot of fun on Letterboxd lately. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's a movie review app. It's oh. fantastic. It's th- I feel like I've been hearing people talk a lot more about Letterboxd lately. It's, I feel like it's trending. It's Letterboxd so sponsor good. us. Yeah, I, uh, I'll learn what you are if you sponsor <laughs> us. It's very fun. You make lists. You keep track of like what you're going to watch. There's a lot of funny people on there making really creative things. I, I literally just downloaded the IMDb app so I could make lists of the movies that we're going to watch. Oh. So basically what you're telling me is I've downloaded an entire other you app. You could. I mean, it's it's an easier way to do it, I think. It probably is. <laughs> the IMDb app is not convenient. <laughs> Oh, if they sponsor us, I freaking will. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll talk to some people. Okay. Anyway, um, you can find the podcast. We're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. Yep. You can send us emails to disastergirlspod at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Please rate. Please review. Um, please engage with us on Twitter because I spend a lot of my time just searching <laughs> for people to interact with. <laughs> and um, we'll see you all back next week for San Andreas. Yes, we'll see you on the other side of the fault line, ladies and gentlemen. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs> <laughs>